Welcome everyone to the EOS Community Fireside Chat for February 22nd, 2023. My name is Stefan. I'm one of the co-founders of EOS Nation. We're currently a top-ranked block producer on EOS and other antelope chains. And I'm happy and honored to be your host for today. Thank you to Andrew, our guest host of last week, who did a great job uh, filling in for me while I took a bit of time away from the computer, although it was great to tune into the fireside anyways and kind of just be here as a guest. So that was fun. Uh, of course, we've got a great fireside session planned for everyone today, includes the following topics. A couple of new initiatives are funded via the grant framework. We've got the EVM name service, the peer-to-peer request for proposals been approved, and uh, the, a DeFi box of Vault has just just been approved. For those of you out there on GitHub, you can find you could have seen this happen. Uh, we were also talking about a um, the facings interview with Rob Rigo and a demo of the stuff they've been working on. Of course, last week we had the big Binance AMA and EOS Learn and Earn program that was launched. The ENF announced uh, very recently that they joined the Canadian Blockchain Consortium. We've got Pomelo updates, of course, Season 5's open for grant applications. We got some NFT update news as well. And EOS continues to be ranked number one in China. Uh, and at the same time, you know, ENF has confirmed the Hong Kong office is going to be open soon. All right, but before we get into all of those great topics, of course, let me do my introduction this week. I'm actually going to be uh, reading from a recent blog article called Towards a More Robust and Autonomous EOS Ecosystem. It's been posted on the EOS Network blog just recently and kind of gives a good overview of some of the uh, history of EOS and, and how we led to a fairly historic MSIG that was signed uh, just recently. So let me get into it. So the, net, the EOS network continues to serve as a remarkable case study on the potential for Web3 network evolution. Since the EOS network foundation first emerged when it endowed with the resources necessary to champion the interest of the EOS network, it has pressed forward to establish multiple programs for public goods funding while cultivating a strong team capable of pursuing renewed development on behalf of the EOS network. In recent days, the EOS network adopted a new proposal that enables the programmatic issuance of network funds to reliably sustain organizations such as DNF that work for the benefit of the EOS ecosystem. To get a better understanding of the milestone that was just crossed and its significant for the future of the network, let's take a brief look at the history of governance and tokenomics on EOS thus far. EOS Network Governance EOS, the consensus mechanism, is delegated proof of stake. There are 24, 21 active BPs that act as representatives of the token holders, allowing them to efficiently reach governance decisions. The pre-public goods era of EOS. When EOS first launched, it had an annual issuance of 5%. The block producers received 1% and 4% was uh, accumulated in a savings account, which would be for a worker proposal system that would leverage this 4% issuance to fund public goods and ecosystem growth. Unfortunately, despite multiple attempts to launch a worker proposal system, no system ever of the sort ever materialized. Without a trustworthy vehicle for distributing that 4%, Block producers burned this accumulated EOS twice for $34 million in 2019 and 2020, and the insurance rate was then reduced to 1%. The EOS network had enough incentives to operate its infrastructure reliably, but lacked a foundation or any ability to meaningfully coordinate or self-direct resources towards the development of public goods. 
the DAO that hired a foundation. On August 25th, 2021, the EOS Network, a decentralized autonomous organization, approved the proposal put forward by Yves Larose. This proposal called for the creation of an EOSIO grants account, the reactivation of the EOSIO savings account with 2% inflation, and the approval of an initial transfer of 3.4 million EOS. With these actions, the EOS Network Foundation was born. Sowing the Seeds of Trust, a joint effort with the EOS Network. In the 18 months since the formation of the ENF, a positive network impact has undoubtedly been manifest. A series of blue papers have been funded and authored that gave rise to several key development initiatives. Several public good funding mechanisms, such as Pomelo and the Direct Grant Framework, have emerged. The Multi-Network Antelope Coalition was formed. Crucial development milestones have been reached, along with major technical, technological innovations being realized. At the same time, the ENF's commitment to transparency through, these, through regular quarterly reports, project health updates, fireside chats, and other key initiatives have continued to increase the frequency and quality of information being made available to the EOS community. The rise of the new EOS. With the ENF consistently delivering on its stated goals and strengthening its capacity to act across a variety of domains, the new EOS is now emerging. A couple key developments in the latter parts of 2021 and 2022 ensured the network's autonomy and galvanized its capacity for sustained investment and ecosystem development in years to come. On September 21st, 2022, the EOS community engineers led by the ENF rallied and forked the stable EOSIO 2.0 code repository into the new Antelope protocol. With this move, the EOS network declared its independence. On November 12, 2022, the EOS network reached consensus to fund EOS network ventures with 68 million EOS that had been previously burned in 2019 and 2020. With this seed investment from the EOS network itself under control of the EOS fund management, the intention is to become a minority partner in the larger EOS network ventures fund, which will focus exclusively on projects building on EOS by making strategic equity and token-based investments into tech startups across the Web3 space with a focus on GameFi, Metaverse, Esports, NFTs, fintech, Web3 businesses, and entrepreneurs building on the EOS public blockchain. The evolution towards an autonomous ecosystem. The epic string of developments over the last year and a half brings us back to the pivotal MSIG of recent days. On February 7th, the EOS network block producers approved an MSIG that adds a smart contract to the ESIO savings account. This smart contract now enables the network issuance that flows into the EOSIO savings to be programmatically distributed to other accounts and receive ongoing funding directly from the EOS network. In the near term, the default perimeter for this smart contract directs 100% of the funding allocation to the EOSIO grants account, which is managed by the ENF. However, with the introduction of a system contract that allows issuance to be programmatically distributed, this opens the door for organizations to receive ongoing funding directly from the EOS network and creates a pathway towards the evolution of a robust ecosystem of contributors being funded directly by the network rather than exclusively through intermediaries such as the ENF. Right now, the ENF is directing all funds 
to ecosystem initiatives as they're being battle tested and proven for their viability and reliability. Over time, the EOS network community will be able to identify essential programs and work to establish them as autonomous parts of the network operation with direct funding from the network itself. Today, there's nothing standing in the way of an entity requesting direct, direct programmatic issuance from EOSIO saving by presenting the block producers with an MSIG proposal. However, for such a proposal to succeed, it would need to be approached with great care through preparation, solid reputation, and likely the support of existing network custodians and operators. Such a day will inevitably come as we continue our evolution towards a more robust and autonomous EOS ecosystem. Concluding thoughts. In less than 18 months, the EOS community took control of its own destiny and has gone from an ecosystem with no funding outside of block producer rewards to empowering the ENF as an established entity for managing core development, grants, and public goods. Soon, another independent entity in the form of the EOS Network Ventures will come online to oversee venture capital deployment for innovative new business models leveraging EOS. The network has never been in a better position to chart its own course and achieve the potential potential we have long sought to realize. With our newfound ability for programmatic funding within the EOS ecosystem, we've secured the capacity for network custodians such as the ENF to continue directing resources on behalf of the network while opening up a whole new world of possibilities for the greater for greater network participation and autonomy. The potential for EOS as a DAO of DAOs is now becoming to come into focus. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that reading of the recent blog post. I enjoyed uh, reading it and activating my, my voice changer. Hopefully that worked out for everyone. All right. Thank you for everyone who joined so far. We've got over 50 people live with us on Discord. That's great. We're also streaming live to Twitter, to Facebook, to YouTube, to all the places. We'd love to hear your comments, thoughts, questions, reactions to the news of the week that we discuss. Feel very free to jump into the conversation at any point. Just unmute yourself and say hi. We just That's how we roll out here. If you don't join us on stage or you can still do your part to make this show as engaging as possible, share your memes in the chat. Spam those emoji reactions. We've uh, added an overlay to the video production that's now going to show these emoji reactions to everyone. So it's great. Let's see more emojis out there. Um, and all right. So there, so there we go. Let's get into the topics for the day. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed it, Lovejoy. Uh, that's, I think, uh, mostly his blog post that I read there. Um, all right. So we've got a lot of new initiatives that have been funded via the grant framework, which was referenced in the intro, of course. Uh, so there's three of them, actually, very recently that were funded. The peer-to-peer uh, uh, RFP was approved. A EOS virtual machine name service was also approved. And as well, a DeFi box vault grant was approved. So to kick it off, let me um, let me invite actually Eve, if Eve is around, to talk a bit about the peer-to-peer request for proposal that was sent out. I don't think Eve is around. Oh, Eve is not around. Too bad. Is Eve around? 
I think he is. I'm not sure. Oh, I saw a little smiley face. All right, at least I made one person laugh with my dad jokes. Um, yeah, or it's just the one same person that's spamming at this point. Uh, yes, the peer-to-peer. Actually, there's a couple of things, and I'll try to drop maybe some alpha in there. Um, so for those who've been paying attention to the coalition calls, oh, I'm hearing myself. There are... Um, uh, we we went over an RFP that lasted quite some time, actually. So this peer-to-peer networking code rewrite, the idea behind it started really early on. Uh, it actually started like the first first time we talked about this was before the coalition it was even formed. It was early on when the ENF was formed uh, because it was one of those items that had been sitting stagnant since... Um, Maybe the dates are off on this, but even before mainnet launch, this is how old this item is. By the time the network launched, it had uh, code on peer-to-peer networking that even at that time was already seen um, as being somewhat inadequate. And But it was functional, and, and basically we've been patching it and patching it and patching it for the last four years. And so early on, it was it was highlighted as a, not necessarily a priority in the sense of if you don't do it tomorrow, it's no good, but a long-lasting technical piece of technical debt, essentially, that um, at some point, if we were to address it, it would likely create um, a lot of value um, with f- for a very specific type of, of application. And so we put that out as the coalition in terms of priority um, early on. There was only one bidder uh, at that first round. The scope was much larger, and it was a complete rewrite, and it had, without going into too much technical technical detail, it had a component of, um, how do I say this? Like, let's say BitTorrent type of uh, peering. Uh, I forget the name of that, but essentially like meshed, meshed peering type of thing, um, a la BitTorrent. Um, kind of thing. And so we, we rescoped that down. Ultimately, we went through a second round of RFP. And at that round, we got two different applicants. And we kind of broke this up in, in different pieces. So there was a smaller scope of work, but there was also one component of the scope of work that's a little bit more high risk that uh, we deemed the likelihood of somebody external coming in being able to tackle that was extremely low because the uh, the likelihood of this being somewhat tricky to do a certain amount of skill set being required and the risk if this wasn't done properly the the risk was at a certain level high enough and so we kind of split that part up with the but there are components that we'd like to do that are not necessarily high risk that if even if it weren't done um or if what kind of results from this is not necessarily um, uh, excellent that there's you know, there's still value there. And so we split that up into, and then we got those two applicants, completely different price points. Uh, we talked about this in, in the coalition. And ultimately what we landed on, which is pretty exciting, is we've effectively split up the RFP in two different teams with two different functions. So um, OCI, which is the team that we've been working with, uh, that is one of the few teams that can take on protocol level work outside of the NF engineers, outside of um, uh, the the other group that is, I guess, now 
came out of this coalition and, and has been able to work on protocol level things, which is the UX team. Outside of this, they're really the, there's only one more team and it's OCI that's been doing this. And part of the idea with the coalition that we talked about early on was that we want to be able to expand and, and even prior to the coalition, but we want to expand the amount of teams that can work on protocol level features or protocol level code. I'm oversimplifying everything, but I think you kind of get the gist. We now, with this particular RFP, uh, have assigned the less riskier but still very important uh, component of a peer-to-peer networking code rewrite to uh, Fudan University. Fudan University um, is one of the top-rated universities in China. I believe it's either ranked third or fourth, um, which is very significant. Uh, So it's in, in Xiamen. Xiamen is the southern uh, I guess it's very close to Taiwan. You, if you're in Xiamen, you can actually look, you can see Taiwan. Uh, if you look at the distance and you're on the shore. Um, and so it's, it's got, um, it's got a really good reputation university. It's got a professor and their, uh, basically engineering students at the PhD level that bid for this project. Parallel to this, we're assigning part of that work to OCI. So the people that actually wrote this in the beginning are going to be rewriting some parts of this. Um, And so it's kind of a multi-pronged approach. And the coalition essentially landed on that decision because we wanted to ensure that we can continuously expand on the level of the number of teams that are capable on taking protocol level code um, and and expanding on that kind of that that vision um, as, as is what we've been doing for a while, while also being cognizant that there's still some components that realistically very few people can tackle because it's extremely deep in the weeds. Um, and so with this particular RFP, we're able to do both. And it's the first time we've been able to do that. Um, so it's pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. It's also expanding um, in a region where we don't have core, core protocol uh, developers outside of the ENF because ENF has uh, folks in, in Hong Kong. Um, this is in the community. Uh, and so Wax was a big proponent of this as well. They really uh, championed this because they're also looking that a large part of their community is that in that part of the world in being able to expand on teams that are capable of taking protocol level uh, work in that part of the world is also something we've not done before. Um, so this is extremely exciting. Uh, it's really cool. We're looking forward to see what they'll be able to deliver. Ideally, this goes really well. And we've just found another team that we're going to be able to partner with um, and continuing down that, that train of thought, ideally we're going to have more and more teams. So that at some point, maybe somebody that's wearing 12 hats can take off a hat or take a vacation or take some time off or whatever it may be. Um, because right now the reality is there's very few people that are able to take on that level of work. Uh, and so it always falls on the same people, the same teams. And as devs are non-fungible, we're limited in the uh, capacity of output simply because there's just not enough people. So pretty cool. All right. Great, great commentary on this, uh, on this news piece. Love it. Um, Next up from the grant framework, which is not uh, necessarily news from this week, uh, but the EVM name service uh, has been, approved as well. Let me share a tweet that was actually out uh, a few days ago, two days ago. (laughs) It states that 
The Ethereum Virtual Machine Name Service, EVMNS, is a distributed, open, and extensible multi-chain DID domain naming system built on EOS EVM. This tool will make it easy will make it easy to seamlessly connect people, information, dApps, and more in the Web3 world. And then there's another link to the actual GitHub uh, Reap or GitHub application for this grant framework that I'm going to share in the chat as well. Um, lots of uh, fun information in there. Not sure exactly uh, what should be highlighted here. I don't know if, if maybe Zach has uh, something that he wants to add to this. Uh, maybe the timing of when this was actually approved. I'm not sure if that was this week or maybe a bit before. But um, figured we'd highlight it while we're talking about uh, recent grant framework initiatives that have been funded. It's only approved recently. I don't know what the lag time was between when it was announced and when it was actually approved. Um, but yeah, can, we've had a I can give couple... commentary on that. Yeah. If, if that's a data point of interest. So the board originally approved that. So that's a two-step process, right? So when people apply to the grant framework, the board reviews it um, more at a business level, cost level, general, you know, general ideal level um, that was approved uh, mid. Uh, so let's, I'm looking at a date here. I don't know if that's accurate that day, but January 18th, give or take. After that's approved, then it goes to the technical uh, side of things where they review from a technical point of view, whether or not what is being proposed is um, whether or not the team is capable of taking that on and, or whether or not that has dependencies with other things. So some of the grants that's really not relevant because there's no dependencies or they're not looking, they're not touching code. They're not touching um, you know, protocol level code or anything like that. And so it's, that part is easier. There's other components where that technical review is more relevant. And this one was one where there was a little bit more technical questions on there. So it took about three weeks, uh, two and a half, two and a half weeks, three weeks to review. Uh, and ultimately that, Final approval, I think, was given about a week and a half ago or so. So from end to end, so for others that are interested in how long it takes for review, we try to keep that as low as possible, realistically, depending on the number of applications that we're reviewing. A part of that is the administrative component of um, all the applications that come in through uh, are then translated for the board members. And so that takes a little bit of time. But if we remove that, we try to keep it between roughly a week and a half to two weeks. So 10 days is the target for the first review. And between, depending on the complexity, between 10 to 20 days uh, for the second uh, review, which gives you know, a total time of from submission to knowing if you actually go through the full process, maybe a month and a half, give or take a month, a month and a half. Excellent. Thanks for that uh, additional... I don't know if Zach, you wanted to add something, but I can also drop some alpha. I'm looking at the chat. I'm looking at the chat. We do have Rodrigo here. Rodrigo, would you like some alpha? Rob from EOS Detroit hey, slash Detroit Ledger Technologies. So, Rodrigo, uh, yeah. I, can, I can tell you that if you have not received an email yet, you will receive an email soon. 
that your latest grant application at the business side of things anyways has been approved uh, for the first part. Wow. That's uh, really exciting. Thank you, Eve. Uh, the team is uh, going to be ecstatic. And so that is the uh, part two. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. This is part two. So I also mentioned it because uh, Rob just did a, and I think it was mentioned earlier, Rob just did a, a podcast uh, with Brendan. I believe Zach was there as well. Um, on part one of the NFT collections manager that they submitted for, got approved for. Part two, they uh, Rob submitted recently. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth. Uh, Rob can attest to that, that uh, there's a lot of back and forth in terms of what we were looking for because it's a larger grant. Uh, and there are, I think, some modifications that were made to it in terms of how it's going to roll out slash what it is comprised of slash what it needs to be on the lookout for. But ultimately, um, you got uh, you got approval, which you may not have received the email yet. Thank you. Yeah, not yet. I'll be on the lookout. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure working with the board, all of the questions and concerns. Uh, we're addressable and also great to see the thoughtfulness and, uh, you know, the considerations uh, with allocating this fund, which at the end of the day is token holder money. So I do appreciate how robust the questions have been and uh, also the ability to continue to prove our worth as a team and develop this public good. So thank you very much. Awesome. Well, on that note, uh, Rob, why don't you uh, talk to us a bit about the, uh, the recent podcast that you did? Yes. The interview facings plus NFT creation walkthrough. This is. Sure. Happy, happy to hop in. Yes, great. Thank you. Yeah, so we were able to hop on with Lovejoy and my partner in uh, Facings, Kier Kleinecht, was also on the call or the uh, the the stream, and so uh, it went really smoothly. Um, you know, Lovejoy was super prepared and asked a lot of great questions, so we were able to fill, I think, over an hour of content and. Uh, really just walking through uh, our history, how facings came to be, our philosophy as a company, uh, our goals with the next stage of the uh, grant, and um, and a walkthrough of, of the current state of the tool. So it's a great crash course if you want to see what we've built. Uh, you can also use it. Uh, and uh, we've also made sure that the latest branch on GitHub uh, has has all of the updates we've made since uh, Proposal 1 was completed. So we completed the work for Proposal 1 end of October last year, and uh, we've made sure that that work is, all of the work from October on uh, has also been synced up. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it was a lovely discussion. I'm happy to dive in uh, deeper. Uh, we went over our our history, our philosophy, the walkthrough, some differences. Uh, Brandon had asked, you know, what is the difference in the NFT ecosystems between, say, WAX and EOS? And we addressed some of that. Um, thoughts about IBC. So we really covered a lot of ground. And I guess I'm not sure the best way to um, to, to hit it. But um, 
Aiden has a question. What's that? Is it an NFT market? Actually, so the point of the collection manager is to create an open source uh, alternative to uh, collection owner tools. So collection owners are people who create NFT collections. There's a lot of different things we can do with NFT collections, but there aren't a whole lot of great tools currently on the market or available that allows uh, non deeply technically savvy collection owners to accomplish more sophisticated and interesting things. So really the goal here is to streamline that, to make it so someone with a lot of creativity uh, and their own special skills and their passion for their NFT collection can have great tools that allow them to accomplish what they're trying to do without perhaps having to hire a, a dev to accomplish some of that. Uh, this also, uh, as discussed in a it allows us to uh, create examples for developers as well. And the goal here with the collection manager, and now that we're um, halfway approved, because we still need to get the technical evaluator approval, as Eve mentioned earlier on the direct grant, um, <clears throat> the, the goal here is to deliver a plugin framework, which will allow this open source project to uh, really become more useful for more people. Uh, businesses would be able to develop their own private plugins, which they could uh, deliver perhaps aspects of their monetization strategy or business model through a private plugin that's built on top of the open source core. We can also deliver more open source plugins and anyone who wants to run the app will be able to fork it and turn on and off the plugins they choose to customize the app. Um, <clears throat> actually, we've just received our first actual fork that's hosted as well. So Paul here, yeah, he mentioned in the chat, Paul G uh, from New Zealand. He's a Proton block producer. He forked the collection manager and added some Proton specific functionality, which is another antelope chain. And now he's hosting that and contributing back um, pull requests to the main code base. So this is exactly what we're hoping to see and foster and, um, uh, you know, in mass. And it'll take some time for this to really build up. We still have a lot of functionality we'd like to include. Uh, we've done quite a bit of bug fixing. We have uh, a large issue list um, internally. Uh, so one of the other things that we had discussed, currently the Facings engineering team uses GitLab, which is different from GitHub. But we know a lot of the open source EOS and Antelope ecosystem uh, software is being developed in the open in public on GitHub. So when you looked at the collection manager, you didn't necessarily see all of the work our team was doing because we were working in our private GitLab organization. Uh, so one of the things we'll be doing during collection proposal two is also setting up an automation so that whenever features are developed on the private facings GitLab, once they're stable enough, they'll be automatically pushed out to GitHub so that we don't have that um, multi-month delay, which we had recently with uh, getting the latest updates out. <clears throat> but it, it has really been exciting, uh, especially 
Um, now, knowing that we have resources to continue on, that is um, a massive news for us. And, uh, you know, we're going to redouble our efforts and make sure that uh, this becomes a really useful cornerstone of the atomic assets and NFT ecosystem on uh, EOS. And so <clears throat> we started with atomic assets because that's the main standard. We know that the EVM, the EOS EVM is rolling out soon. In theory, this will also allow other standards such as ERC-721 to be integrated. Um, while we're not promising any timeline on that type of thing, uh, that is definitely something we'll be analyzing uh, as, you know, that could be hugely valuable to uh, encourage pre-existing collections to perhaps port or uh, somehow allowing them to map from ERC-721 into the more advanced features of atomic assets. There's a lot of thought experiments there uh, that we can also uh, explore as the EOC-VM comes online. Uh, so <clears throat> yeah, thank you so much for the news. Uh, that's a huge surprise and uh, really appreciate the vote of confidence and uh, I, I hope that we will not disappoint the community members in here and we will continue to make something that is useful and grow our contributor base and grow our usefulness for this application. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor. So thank you. That's wonderful. And just to uh, just to clarify, I didn't know you were going to get this news when I invited you on the fireside earlier today. I just wanted you to talk about your uh, your uh, the interview you did that was recently released. But love, I love that you got the, some great news live with everyone here uh, on the far side. The last vote literally came in a few hours ago, so nobody could have known. There you go, awesome. Um, I said I shared a few screenshots of uh, of the the video interview here in the notes. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but one of the NFTs that's highlighted in that video is called Rugged Maria. But in the preview, it just shows up as rugged. Are you trying to say something, Rodrigo? <laughs> uh, yeah, so Kier, uh, my business partner, Kier, uh, he, he's been rugged so many times, it's painful. Because he's uh, an experimenter, you know, he was learning a lot about NFTs, he was joining all these projects, and then basically having the money he had put into those NFTs uh, stolen, or, you know, the project owners would run away. That's kind of the definition of rugs. So whenever you're talking to Kira about NFTs, he, he even owns like ruggednfts.com, which he was trying to make a project or considering... Um, creating a sort of sanctuary for all of the projects that have been forgotten or abandoned. Uh, so it's really near and dear to his heart. But yes, um, definitely we didn't mean to infer that we're in the rugging business. Um, <laughs> but rather, uh, it's just this meme that he, he uh, uses and continually comes back to as a result of his own experience. Uh, I'm glad it's on purpose. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. sure. Like, is this on purpose? Is it not on purpose? Um, uh, but that's, if, that's funny. Yeah, I'm sure. If, uh, if you sure watch he's not that, the only one in this chat that's gotten rugged on NFT projects. That's for sure. If you watch that section of the interview, um, yeah, we, I, I asked for an explanation because Kier went on for a bit about 
rugged this and rugged that. And then he explains, <laughs> and we, we mint the rugged Maria NFT on the show. And so if you watch and you leave a comment in the video, you might, you might get a rugged Maria. Oh, there you go. There's awesome. only four in existence or five, maybe five. So. Very cool. Let's go on. Let's go leave some comments on that video then. and good luck to everyone. We're getting some rugged Maria's. Very funny, <laughs> Very funny guys. Oh, but that's great. Thanks for the update, Rob. Um, I hadn't had a chance to watch the video. So it's the first time I'm seeing these, uh, these screenshots from, from the app looks great. Love seeing, uh, who is it? Paul, Paul G from New Zealand saying that he's already forked, forked this repo and it's up at nftmanager.protonnz.com. It's awesome to see. Um, and yeah, looking forward to seeing more, 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 more projects being able to deliver great NFT experiences on Antelope without having to go through the Atomic Hub marketplace necessarily or without having to do with the Pomelo team and build its own harvest.pomelo NFT landing page, which to be honest, does take a lot of uh, time and effort to build. So now a tool like this is going to hopefully enable all sorts of other communities and projects to build their own NFT landing pages to promote their great NFT collections. Really cool stuff. Thank you. And we're always looking for more feedback, um, constructive criticism, uh, feature requests, uh, if you have ideas for what this app could be or do or how it could help your own project, please do reach out to me. Or also you could hit our issue list on the GitHub. I will drop the link in the chat. Uh, we're l always looking for more feedback so that we can inform our roadmap and make sure it's it's driving driven in such a way to meet the needs of people out there building. So thank you very much, everybody. And thank you for the great news, Eve. Thank you for the spotlight here, Stefan. And uh, really looking forward to the next step here. So thank you. One final round of applause for Rob Rigo and the team at Facings. Uh, Love to see you guys get funded, that's for sure. All right, I see we got Hernan in the chat, uh, wants to invite us to the latest Web3 Creators podcast. Hernan, do you want to come online and, and speak a little bit about this? Hey, guys. Sure. Uh, can everyone hear me? Hey, Hernan. Yeah, come in clear. Ah, thanks. This thing is disconnecting. So if I get disconnected in the middle, I'm sorry. But um, anyway, yeah. So I just published the, the new episode with Bishop from the EOS support team. Um, and it was a great, uh, episode. I'm always trying to kind of, exp it, it, what I'm trying to do also with this podcast is kind of, uh, break through our echo chamber and kind of bring, you know, blend a bit of a lot of the, the web three space with the, with some, um, EOS, uh, EOS projects as well. And uh, just Bishop. Uh, reached out to me and told me, yeah, I'd like to be part of the podcast. And that's what, you know, we set it up. And, and, and now I think, I think it's a very valuable uh, pod because I don't know of many blockchain platforms that have kind of a community powered support team. And I think that's very unique what we have here. 
with the EO support. So a lot of love for the EO support team. Go check out that episode. You know, follow, like, subscribe, the whole um, shebang. And if you want to uh, appear in an episode, um, just reach out to me. I want to give a special, you know, a special love and spotlight for for EOS founders and EOS builders. Um, we had some like major, you know, like YouTubers and and personalities in the pod, like you know, Elliot Trait and Zeneca, which are, you know, they they they, they never speak about EOS, but they they have over you know three hundred thousand and then seven hundred thousand followers and. I think that's a reach out that we want to tap into so that we can uh, we can expand as a community and as a network. So, yeah, everyone's invited. Um, Eve, I'd love to get you on. I know we've tried to sync for a pod and uh, let's uh, put a let's uh, set up a date for for some time to get you on. And anyone else who wants to come into the pod, you know, uh, you're all invited. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for the invites. And uh, I gave you a like. I gave you a subscribe. Let's see some, uh, more, thanks. Let's see some more action on that video for Hernan. Thanks for, and, and thanks for, uh, yeah, joining the fireside and being an active part of the community. It's great. Love to see Thanks, you. guys. Thanks. And I guess on the topic of community-hosted shows and events, friendly reminder if you're hosting a live show, you want to give out some pop tokens to reward the EOS community that shows up at your event, reach out to me. We want to distribute these pop tokens as wide as possible. Um, if you're just posting a YouTube video, you know, pre-recorded, that doesn't necessarily qualify. Uh, but if you're hosting any type of live show, definitely reach out. <clears throat> we'll give you some pop tokens that you can distribute to your community. For everyone in Discord right now, of course, remember to register for your pop tokens in the PopBot chat. Uh, on this Discord server, and then mint your February raffle tickets once you've accumulated four pop tokens. So uh, all raffle ticket holders earlier this month were entered in the draw to win some Lovejoy Cupids. There was only a hundred of those distributed. There's over 600 tickets uh, out there. So um, those are kind of some of the fun bonuses that you may get for participating in this these promotions, this NFT collection. That's kind of starts with the pop tokens and then uh, expands from there. Um, actually, let's go back to the framework, to the grant framework, because there was another story that I was supposed to bring up before uh, Hernan came in there with the, with the message and got me distracted. Um, no worries, Hernan, of course, but um, there's a third grant that was very recently approved, and that has uh, something to do with the DeFi Box Vault grant approval. So... I'm going to share a link to that application, of course, in the chat. Um, I don't know if there's anyone that can add some extra color commentary to this story. I can't really. I don't know if we've got still Zach and Eve in here, if they've got a little something to say. But I know that this was approved very, very recently. And so... Yeah, I can give a, a little bit of uh, a comment there. Basically, what they proposed and what ultimately was approved, um, and I'm, I'm mincing my words was approved because I know I've passed the first stage. I I can't confirm they passed the second stage, but I guess if you're aware, then that means it did. Um, is to essentially open source no. everything. <laughs> Don't take my word for anything on this. Well, everybody can check the grant anyways. I mean, it's, it's public. Right. So if you want to go and review what the grant was, feel free. 
Um, the, the idea is basically to open source what they currently have in terms of the vault, uh, for example, document that so that others can then replicate this. So that if others want to do similar products to what DeFi, bo- offer, DeFi Box offers, instead of starting from scratch, they can leverage off of code that's been audited, that's been in, um, uh, been deployed and been functional for a period of time so that more and more people can start leveraging those protocols. Um, and essentially, you know, ideally, if they're capable of rallying a community around those products, then also get access to Yield Plus at some point when, we, when they meet those thresholds. And so it's you know, open sourcing what currently already is, making that available to all, accompanying that with documentation um, so that others ideally can replicate and we can have more competition in the DeFi space. There you go. Thanks for that extra commentary. There we go. We got a AI rugged Maria in the house from Lovejoy. Nice. I was wondering how long it was going to take for AI to share some pics of rugged Maria. I'm I'm happy it only took a few minutes. Good job, uh, Brandon and his AI sidekicks. All right, so we can keep going on some more topics. We already did the facings interview and demo. Uh, Friendly reminder, another fireside reminder for community questions. Of course, we love for you to join us live on the mic. You can ask your questions right there at the end of the show during the open mic period. You can also send them in the chat if you're here with us. You can also fill out a Google form if you're not being able to be present live with us. And so at any time in the week, you can go fill out, uh, send, send us some questions through that Google form and we will, um, you know, get to them on the show. Uh, we had one question, uh, over the last week. However, it was just a question about price. So we're obviously not going to be addressing those. Um, but any other question we're happy, we're happy to bring up. Uh, the question is like, yeah, make price go up. And yeah, the answer is, yeah, we're trying, I guess. Everyone's trying. Um, okay. So what else do we have here? Oh, Binance AMA and EOS learn and earn. That was a great event last week. Um, very popular allows if you're, uh, if you haven't joined the EOS learn and earn, I think you can still do that. I'm not sure actually. I know there's a limited amount of space available. It is only available to people who have KYC on, um, on Binance. And I think, um, you, you have to have never subscribed to simple earn lock products of EOS, uh, in order to qualify for this uh, learning and earn. So I've actually subscribed to the earn program on Binance uh, a while back. Uh, so unfortunately, sounds like I can't join this learn and earn. But if you haven't and you're KYC on Binance, get in there, uh, learn a bit about EOS, although I'm sure everyone who's in here probably knows all the questions anyways. And then you can just you know qualify for that program, earn a bit of EOS, and then have it be uh, automatically locked up in that simple earn locked product. So that's pretty fun. And then of course the EOS AMA uh, had a lot of viewers. I, I wasn't able to watch live, but I think we had, there was over 35, 30, 35,000 viewers, something like that, if I remember correctly. Um, so that's really cool to see. Uh, obviously this stuff takes a long time to set up 
companies like Binance, they're obviously one of the biggest players in the space. So it's great to be able to leverage their platform to share the news about EOS and the new EOS and all of the great work that's been going on from all sorts of corners of the EOS community over the last 18 months. So just going to give a round of applause to ENF, to Eve, to everyone who showed up on the Binance AMA. Love to see that stuff, that kind of stuff happening. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully we see, we, we continue to see great updates like that in 2023. Was it actually, did anyone uh, in here uh, join in to the AMA? I know, of course, Eve was there um, representing the EOS community, but uh would love to hear some feedback from anyone else who may, be, who may have caught uh, some or all of that uh, AMA. Gonna give a little, little pause here for you guys to join in here and join the show. It was a great AMA, confirmed by Rhett. Thanks, Rhett. Thanks for confirming, it was great. I guess I'll add to what you said, which is how long it takes to actually set this up. So as you saw, you know, we got um, USDT EOS listed on Binance. We have this AMA. We've got the Learn and Earn program. Uh, there was a Chinese New Year event as well. Uh, in order to come to terms with Binance, uh, it took months, uh, you know, to, I don't recall the exact amount of time, but it took roughly six to seven months um, before we actually settled on what we'd be working on in terms of strategic partnership over the next two years uh, type of thing. So as you mentioned, by the time you see the resulting product, a lot of time went into ensuring that you know we, we, we get value out of this and that there's something concrete there and what that means and the multi-parts towards you know to that the marketing and and the listing etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's just it's a lot of work that goes into making something like this happens it doesn't just come overnight looks like sack wants to jump in and talk but unfortunately thinks i've muted him um, I don't think I don't think we've server muted you, Zach. Good luck figuring out your mic issues. We'd love to hear from you today. Although Eve's been doing a great job carrying this fireside, let's give a let's give a round of applause to Eve for jumping in here and helping helping me uh, make this show as interesting as possible. Love, love to hear it. And waiting for Zach. Looks like Zach is reverting to the keyboard. Can't handle the new mic technology. <clears throat> While Zach is getting ready to join, I'll just say the AMA was great. I loved it. Um, <clears throat> I was taking notes. I thought to myself that if anyone wants a like a real proper snapshot of the current state of affairs and everything, it's a great primer. Um, it's a great like kind of one stop primer of the history the situation so much packed in there in a pretty short amount of time so i'm kind of constantly amazed at eve's ability to distill everything down um so that was good i encourage everybody to watch it
only one comment so far on the on the on the Facebook interview. I'm I'm waiting for more. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Hello. Oh shit. <laughs> You're here. Oh my god! Whoever told me to, but I had to close Discord on my phone. I don't know why it wasn't working on my laptop. I tried jumping out a bunch of times. I thought Steph was just being rude. <laughs> I didn't want to like be jump over top of someone else. Um. So a few things since I wasn't able to speak up earlier <laughs> on the uh, EVM name services grant. I just wanted to point out that. Um, it's showcasing that, like, with the EOC VM uh, being the EOC VM, mo moving away from like the trusty VM and having its own ecosystem, like our grant framework, Pomelo, all of the existing uh, funding pillars that exist for EOS also exist within the EOC VM space. And uh, that particular grant is, is a showcase of that. It was a fairly uh, significant uh, funding amount over multiple milestones. So every grant in the Direct grant framework is milestone based, so um, uh, the individuals or businesses only get paid uh, upon project completion. And then on the uh, DeFi box one, whoever sniffed that out, that was awesome. That was actually before we even made an announcement that just got approved a few hours ago. And that one's a big uh, achievement, I think, because um, for anyone following the Antelope Coalition for a while, there was... Um, the secure smart contracts library that was an RFP. And that RFP was essentially, if you're familiar with Ethereum, uh, there's something called Open Zeppelin. It's a list of libraries and open source contracts that are essentially audited already. So it's battle tested code that um, other developers can pick up and basically hit the ground running with their project because they don't need to reinvent. Um, common logic and reinvent the wheel for their particular project. So that was the idea behind the Secure Smart Contract Library RFP uh, that came out of the coalition. There were several teams who applied for it. Some of them even uh, applied as, as a consortium. Uh, one of, I think DeFi Box is even on one of the teams that applied for it. And the coalition ends up rejecting uh, that proposal because I, I wasn't on the calls where it got a, Proved, I think, had something to do with the, the cost coming in a little bit too high. So the coalition decided to uh, not move forward with it. I think it was actually Eve's decision to not go forward. Um, but this fills some of that gap as far as the DeFi contracts, because we have obviously really great DeFi technology and smart contracts that certain teams have built, including DeFi Box at the forefront. But unless that code's open source, no one else could really... Uh, build on top of the shoulders of giants, so to speak. So if someone else wanted to come along and build a brand new um, vault technology, for example, they would need to start from scratch. So they'd basically be starting two years behind DeFi Box. Whereas now with uh, more code being open source, uh, incentivized through the grant program, that means the next DeFi protocol can come along. They could fork the code base because it's open source now and they can kind of hit the ground running because they've got the bare essentials already built. Maybe they'll add some slight modifications to it to make it their own flavor or maybe improve upon it, but it really just saves time to market, time to develop. And with the Yield Plus um, incentive program, it gives a faster path to being able to get a product to launch and potentially 
achieve the uh, minimum uh, total value lock requirements to start earning those uh, yield plus subsidies. So yeah, that was what I missed earlier. Sorry about my uh, mic issues. All good. Thanks for thanks for making up for the issues right now. Uh, we had Lenny actually come in with a comment regarding the Binance AMA. He thought it was a pity that no team was organized to be ready for the big, fast flow of queries in the chat during the AMA. It was immense and fast scrolling. Good questions. Uh, so I guess that means you you tuned into the uh, AMA, Lenny, or maybe you watched it uh, afterwards. Um, but yeah, I, I don't even know if we had a team ready, like, for example, EL support, you know, there's so many questions that flow so fast during those kinds of events. That is, it even, is it even worth answering them uh, outside of what uh, Eve says? You know, I'm not sure. But I understand the questions, <laughs> but there's a team. But just to yeah. give an idea, so there was 25,000 people. The host, when we ended this, said that the average was a question coming in every three seconds. So there's no way that in that hour and a half we were going to answer uh, how many questions would that be? Uh, 20 times 90 is like 100. I don't know. It, a lot of questions. There's no way that we were answering all those questions. But we did have a team behind that that were actually uh, parsing through the questions. And so the live questions that were taken were some of that. Plus we had, I believe, before the event started, over 500 questions that were accumulated Um that, that we actually single out as individual questions. Uh, so that's less the duplicate questions. Cool, cool, cool. So the, yeah, just way too many questions. There's a lot, a lot of people. There's no way that no matter the size of the team that we were answering anywhere near all those questions. And not all of the questions were of high quality or good. So the, the incentive program that they have, everyone's KYC, they're logged into their Binance account to... Uh, participate in, in the live stream and I believe uh, that they get like five bucks or ten bucks or something if their particular question gets asked on the live stream by the host so they're just shooting out questions like crazy just trying to hope that if they spray and pray enough that their questions uh, will get asked so the, qual the quality wasn't all good but there was a team behind there there was uh, the host, and he had an assistant parsing through the questions. I was trying to help them go through uh, their like shortened list of the questions. So there's definitely a, a, a team involved in the background. Their production quality of, of how Binance actually ran the operations of a live stream in AMA was actually quite impressive. And I actually learned a lot myself. There you go. Sounds like it's not their first rodeo. Topic on the agenda, EOS Network Foundation joins the Canadian Blockchain Consortium. Nice little announcement that went live not too long ago. Once again, when was this? This was uh, two days ago. Uh, 
Eve, any more information you want to share about this topic with the community? There's not really much to share. We've been working with the Canadian Blockchain Consortium now unofficially for years. I mean, I, um, I mean, even before the mainnet launch, uh, I was already um, in talks with them and the work that they're doing within Canada and uh, you know within the blockchain space as a whole, uh, especially when it comes to the uh, regulatory work that they do and or the advocacy work that they do at the, at the Canadian regulatory level. Uh, and so this was just kind of a, one of those pending items that, that we just never kind of closed off. Uh, and so we, you know, unofficially have been working with them for a while. This just makes it really official. Uh, they've got a bunch of different committees on there, some of which we're already participating in either directly or indirectly through people that are at DNF or that are associated with the ENF. Um, and so just kind of closing that that gap and continuing down that front, too. So when the Senate parla- uh, parliamentary uh, committees meet and talk about blockchain, oftentimes the, those members are chosen from members from within the Canadian Blockchain Consortium, either at the board or the executive or members that are party to. And so just you know, putting ourselves out there more formally so that at some point we can start advocating formally on behalf of EOS, on behalf of the ENF. But uh, within the Canadian Parliament is something that you know, I'm particularly passionate about. And so, yeah, kind of closing a, closing a gap more so than anything else. Right on, right on. That's good. Looking forward to hearing more about uh, what goes on in that, um, in that association, in that consortium. All right. Next topic. Should I do my... Uh, a reverb voice when I introduce a new topic. Pomelo season five now open for grant applications. I definitely think that sounds better. <laughs> um, let's see here. Who do we have in the chat from the Pomelo team? Is Martin around to uh, give us an update? I know it's late for Martin out there. In, hey, uh, not asleep areas. yet. <laughs> not asleep yet. Yes, my booming voice kept you awake. <laughs> More reverb. <laughs> um, yeah, um, uh, Pomelo is open for applications officially as of today, 12 UTC. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the starting point of season five. Uh, everybody that has an idea for public goods should get their ap- application in uh, as soon as possible, so you can get approved um, as you know, or get feedback if you're not qualifying yet and you need to do some little adjustments. Uh, you get so- your feedback sooner, and uh, the, the sooner you get approved, then you can also apply for the pitch sessions. So that's kind of like a limited slots uh, are available for the pitch sessions. A great opportunity for you to you know get more feedback from the community. Um, get get out there and, and answer some questions, maybe get more um, input on how you can improve it or get some feedback on how to improve your whole project, maybe make some connections on, on how you can collaborate on other levels with people. Um, we also published, um, I mean, if, if you're still drafting your grant, last Monday we we gave, uh, we posted the evergreen content like we do every Monday. Uh, there you can find on our, we posted this on Twitter again. 
basically re recycling all the content that we already had. Uh, there are some on Monday we posted some great uh, tips on how to write a grant and and how to make it uh, yeah the best possible um, for you. So going through that is probably helpful. Um, yeah, and in one week the donations go live for season five. Um, and that's also meaning that the Pomelo pitch sessions start. Uh, so on March 1st, the, the donations open. Um, first pitch session for the English community will be on March 2nd, which is Thursday. Um, and then the Asian, Asian pitch sessions uh, are every Saturday. We again have pitch session slots available for Chinese and Korean communities with a translator. Uh, shout out to um, Max Cho helping us in Korea, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's worth it. There's uh, over uh, 170k USD, 170 thousand dollars available in the matching pool. That's 150k from DNF. Thanks for that once again. And uh, we accumulated in season four fourteen thousand three hundred uh, six hundred thirty dollars. These are fees that are coming in from every season. And NFT sales, the Pomelo NFTs made a whooping six thousand one hundred dollars that got also put into the pool. So that accumulates all to over one hundred seventy thousand dollars up for grabs season five. Um, yeah. There you go. Quick the question, actually, Martin, about yep. uh, the pitch sessions. Uh, I was uh, I was hosting them last season. You'll be hosting them this season. So I'm wondering, has the format changed, or um, how's that how's that looking this season around? Um, well, no, I don't think we changed the season. I think it's pretty nice to go with the rapid fire sessions. We continue to host them on Twitter Spaces. To you know, we have a great chance here to to have our internal chat and reach out to people and have the fireside chat going. I think that's a more open format. Uh, Twitter spaces is really great for sharing tweets and engaging with, with, with the grants. They all get a template from us to kind of um, publish their grant and, and, and um, share widely across the, 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 the Twitter space or, or in Twitter. So we get more people uh, learning about public goods on EOS and learning about Pomelo. Uh, that's that's the strategy there. Um, you can easily share to your wider community when you're joining a Twitter space. Uh, your following gets notified when you're doing this. is just a little bit more open format. And uh, so we decided to keep it on Twitter spaces. And uh, yeah, I think the rapid fire sessions is also exciting for everyone. So um, there's a good flow and rhythm in it. As yeah, for I the agent, we like the, the the strategy of you know leveraging Twitter Spaces for this type of stuff to get maximum exposure. Um, so uh, yeah, good to see, good to hear. There, there's still five minutes. I like that format too. I was actually thinking, um, wondering if we should do a little something during the fireside as well. And I haven't brought this up to anyone yet. Just me thinking about this a bit. But maybe like an ultra rapid fire session where people have like 30 <laughs> seconds to say hi, say the name of their grant and like one sentence. Speed dating grant. style. Spe yeah, yep. ultimate speed dating style for 2023 where attention span is no longer than 10 seconds. I don't know. I was thinking maybe that could be a, a fun <laughs> segment that we could run on the fireside maybe one time during the season. So I like that uh, idea. Yeah. Let's throw that yeah. out there. 
Let's, uh, Sounds good to me. Should I should I integrate this into the sign up form, or is this kind of like uh, no need to sign up, just attend the speed dating event? Yeah, I think I think it would be yeah, just no need to sign up. Just like hey, on this fireside chat, grant owners are invited to come. Literally say hi in the name of their grant, and then I'm gonna mute their mic once they pass 30 seconds. We're gonna keep it really <laughs> short, really fast. But I think it could be interesting. All right. I think Tony just got a huge piece of that pie. He just did his pitch in less than five seconds. So shout out to Tony in chat. He enjoys long, long walks on the beach. Uh, and that's his application pitch. <laughs> Daniel Keyes wants to highlight that he's a real person and, and, and not actually a Pomelo astronaut robot. That's, that's a good idea too. <laughs> Lenny, likes, Lenny likes it for 30 seconds. He's in. All right. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll fix it. They probably, I don't know. Probably towards the end of the of the season. I don't know. We'll think about it, and we'll we'll update you guys once uh, once we figure out how. Before we uh, move on for Pomelo, Steph, can I add something about Pomelo? A question that's been asked quite frequently, and I figured it, you know. Fireside is sure. a good place to address sure. it. it. Uh, people have been asking about the uh, the matching, why it's lower than uh, than previous seasons. So there's a couple of components to that. One is uh, you know market reflection of the the state of the market. Uh, obviously the the cost to run this um, that the matching is is quite significant. Um, and we need to kind of place it back. There's a couple of components to this. So I'll try to make it as as succinct as possible. Um, this comes from Gitcoin, right? So Gitcoin is what we're what what Pomelo was modeled off of. And even when we look at Gitcoin, um, I believe, and somebody can go and do the research and, and correct me on this, but the largest amount that Gitcoin itself has matched, so the Ethereum Foundation has matched, I believe, is 350k, um, and that was their biggest ever. Now, Gitcoin though has way more matching partners, so the amount of match, the matching pool itself is much larger, and this is what we're trying to do with Pomelo as well. So we're trying to actually get more matching partners that are capable of coming in and supplementing what the ENF provides. But we knew that in the short term, a lot of that would be the catalyzing effect of just running the program, of generating interest, of actually having a framework, um, you know, the, the, the tool itself, the actual like the, the, the platform itself being uh, fast track, right? So Gitcoin, I believe, is in there. 13th, 14th, 15th season right now. Puma is only in its, in, in it's going to be on its fifth. So there was a lot of catch up to do. And that required a lot of upfront uh, cost to try and generate, you know, some, some, um, you know, some movement on the platform itself. But the idea is always that, um, and for, for expectation's sake, uh, the 150 to 250 range is likely where the matching from the ENF is going to stabilize on in the long term. However, the idea is to be able to help facilitate and encourage others to be able to match as well as that. So also when we look at the ratio, there are other matching partners that um, have shown interest in the past. But then when we look at the percentage of what they would be able to match compared to the, what the ENF can, can match, we know that we'd also run into some potential conflicts there where, I'll give an example. Um, one particular chain wants to match, all they can provide is 15K or 20K or something like that. Well, if the, if the EOS side of things is matching, and I'm making up this number, but $500,000 that season, and this other 
project or chain can only match 15K, then um, we, we encountered when we were doing some of this work, like, well, how do we, we can't prevent anybody from participating. We know that Pomelo is open to everybody. If that ratio is too far off, we also don't want to create an environment where people will, uh, will, will feel like EOS is funding others um, and it is not really getting a lot of the benefit and value in return. So if those numbers are lower, it also makes it that the, the ratio between, let's say, ENF and others becomes smaller. That gap is closed. And so that will open up more potential partners whereby that ratio is smaller, that gap is smaller. And so it makes more sense, but also just the expectation as a, as a whole as well, um, that, yeah, you know, the $888,888 and 88 cent round, that was very much a one shot off. That is not the norm. And when we look at Gitcoin, like that's not where it stabilizes in the long term. The other part that's new that I believe and Daniel can confirm that will be out this season is the capacity for, uh, for example, somebody who matches to specifically say where they're matching pool uh, is to be applied to. And, and Daniel, maybe you can confirm that this is going to be enabled this season? Not this season, season six. We're, and we've got, gotcha. uh, you know, speaking about matching partners, yeah, we, we've been speaking to a number of interested parties offline. And yeah, a lot of them come from, you know, within the Antelope ecosystem, but not necessarily the EOS ecosystem. You know, the, the teams that have treasuries that they can put towards a matching pool like this are these kind of layer one um, antelope side chains like Telos, like UX, like uh, as well as some DApps as well. Um, so we've been having lots of conversations with potential matching partners, and IDC unlocks a lot of this potential. Mm. Um, so we're working towards in season six being able to have a a side pool dedicated to a particular purpose. You know, we could have a, a IDC pool funded by UX tokens as a side pool. And uh, matching partners can sort of define some of the criteria. Uh, hey, to so as a as a someone creating a grant, you decide: am I going to join the the regular main pool, public good pool, or maybe I have a IBC project? I'm going to join this UX IBC pool, and it has to be an IBC project. Maybe it doesn't need to be a public good. Maybe it doesn't. Um, that's kind of one of the um, but all within the, the same season. Exactly. So the administrative so burden on the team is all in the same season instead of. So you're able to leverage the tool, expand yeah. it out within the same time frame that the resources are currently assigned to to do because there's a big governance aspect to this. There's a big review aspect to this. There's a technical back end to this as well. Right. And so it's right. moving. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of people yeah. underestimate that the the you know the the technical building the Pomelo app is the tip of the iceberg in terms of effort that goes into running Pomelo. A lot of it is that administrative, community management, marketing, reviewing, civil analysis. A lot of work happens there in the background. Um, so, you know, we, we're offering, you know, we're by leveraging Pomelo, you get all of that but with the software that's built. And uh, so, you know, as a matching partner, you just, you know, put some money in the pot and you get all the value of building a community around your token, your project. And, 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 you know, having an opportunity to kind of customize the types of projects that you're, that you're facilitating and growing, you know, and so if you're, if you're having, if you're creating your own side pool, defining your own acceptance criteria for that. Uh, and to add to it as well, in the context of the, 
for those that feel that the matching pool is is too small, for example, because um, I know some teams reached out and they're like, hey, you know, I've I've been relying on Pomelo for funding to a certain extent. There's always the grant framework, right? So Pomelo is we're rebaselining everything as well. So expect that the ongoing funding will be closer to what currently is. Um, especially for the long term. But there are other funding buckets available, and we're also rebaselining everything. So we did that with the grant framework as well. We've capped now grant framework level three to 200K um, because we've got the ENV that's also uh, you know, in, in the in the works. And this idea of the proper funding for the proper bucket at the proper levels, everything now is is in play with one another, right? There's a relationship between those different things. So if you've uh, been leveraging Pomelo and you've been successful in Pomelo and now you're seeing that maybe the amount of funding that you might get from there might not be adequate, um, uh, then the grant framework is available for you. The, the hoops are bigger to jump in. You're getting paid after the fact, as Stefan was mentioning earlier, it's milestone-based and so you get only get paid after you deliver the work. Uh, but it's not that funding is not available, it's just re-baselining so that the proper funding in the proper buckets is uh, creates more accountability and that overall this this whole strategy is is aligned together and there's not one that's kind of off the others for example and because you participate in pomelo you have a stronger resume now and that's really the idea you know you think of pomelo as a stepping stone a reputation building mechanism to get a little bit of seed funding to start germinating your idea building that reputation and now that you have something that looks like it's starting to stick, taking that that idea, creating a grant on the grant framework, and you know, I was, you know, if you if you look at the grant framework, they didn't even ask you what's, you know, give us a link to your Pomelo grant. Um, you get extra points for that. Uh, oh, and, and we review, things. right? So to put a caveat on that, yeah, it's not just give us a link because some people have gave us a link. And then we've seen that they've, um, anyways, from, I can't speak to the others. There's eight people participating in, in the process, but I, I definitely leverage the, oh, here's a link. You've, you know, you've got a community. You've got a lot of people. Great. That's definitely a plus one or, Hey, you've been Pomelo. Sure. You kind of meet that check mark, but you only had three people donating. Maybe you received $5. Well, that's not necessarily an advantage, right? You're kind of showcasing that maybe you're not there yet. Um, also, if if we look at um, kind of the, the subject that I just talked about as well, that for some people, it might not be enough. Well, they might now move to the grant framework, which actually means maybe there's less competition in Pomelo. So again, as a, as a smaller team, it might make it easier for you in Pomelo because some of those larger teams that have a lot of traction are now going to be moving towards grant framework instead. And so those larger teams that were even applying for the grant framework that now exceed the cap are now going to be moving towards the ENV side of things, right? So that's also what I'm talking about when I'm saying the coordination strategy between all of them so that one is not encroaching on the other and the kind of a right fit, right place type of approach is what we've been redefining with the data that we've been gathering and over the last year or so with with those initiatives working out. So I do believe that ultimately it's a it will be beneficial to everybody. It's not that there's less money being available. It's the money is, is being more focused in the right, uh, in quote unquote, right buckets. Very cool to, to visualize these different, you know, funding mechanisms available, you know, kind of starting with Pomelo, building your reputation, moving up to grad framework, and then, you know, moving up to the EOS Network Ventures. Very, very exciting. 
Um, Martin, did you have other Pomelo uh, NFT-related uh, updates to share with us? I know I, I kind of jumped in with the question <laughs> about the, the, the pitch sessions, and then Eve jumped in with some more information, and uh, yeah, just want to make sure. Yeah, that's all. Sure, that, that's what all the, the fireside is about. So people can jump in and share some additional perspective. Uh, and um, yeah, there's some there's some NFT related updates, but I wanted to start with like the opening of the uh, applications first because it's more important. Uh, yeah, so we launched uh, um, an article today that, that Denis already shared the chat uh, regarding the. I can share it again. Let me quickly check. Yeah, some great updates on the harvest. Yeah. I'll share it. Page UI. There you go. And um, so the the airdrop for for the astronauts, uh, the PFP project on EOS, I think it's like the largest PFP project in EOS for now with 1,000 unique uh, designs is uh, out. Um, and uh, you have one week to maximize your allocation. And you do this by basically getting as many uh, ultra rare moon bases from season four or the full set of the moon of the rares, the moon vehicles together. And um, then on the new UI on the harvest page, you can log in and then see how many you would get on the snapshot date. The snapshot will be on March 1st. Uh, all these dates you can see in, in, in the article. Um, and uh, additionally, for people who don't necessarily want to purchase moon bases or don't have moon bases, uh, who just want to try their luck, we have a bounty block contest going on uh, where you can uh, get, uh, where you can win 25 astronaut tokens that you can then redeem for your unique astronaut profile, um, profile NFT. Uh, yeah, that's basically that. Um, I hope everybody gets excited about more astronauts getting in circulation. Uh, it's still not all of them being distributed. There will be more for, uh, I guess, like further seasons until we have uh, distributed them all. Um, another thing that's been active on the NFT side of Pomelo is the DNA potions. I've been mining pretty cute little Pomelo space crew members. I'm not sure if everybody saw them already, but uh, I'm, I love these little guys. Um, and uh, for everybody that is in the Pomelo Telegram chat, there will be a surprise tomorrow um where you where yeah where we see more of these little guys and uh, yeah that's basically it um before next week we start mining the final stage of season five nfts uh which will be yet another surprise uh once again shout out to the liquid team uh liquid universe uh they have been helping us with some awesome designs for this season and uh, there will be some pretty awesome 3d designs coming out, uh, 3D objects, similar like we had with the moon bases. Uh, so NFTs that you can uh, position in your room via AR, that you can turn around uh, and look at them uh, in from all angles. Uh, you can integrate them in, in, in various ways uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, the spaceships are, I think, like a nice little upgrade to what we had in previous seasons. So that's basically it. Uh, more updates uh, on the Pomelo lore, on the Pomelo Chronicles, the little narrative that we're building around these astronauts, the spaceships, the moon base, and all of that uh, will be also published tomorrow. So stay tuned. I can give a quick stat here. We're less than 10 hours since opening season five for application submissions. We've got 22 grants so far submitted. So pretty, pretty good pace so far. We usually get, you know, in the first week, a, a lot of, of applications come in. 
uh, I expect to see that grow over the next week or so and throughout the season. So, uh, yeah, shout out to everyone who's already submitted your grant application. Always great to get them in early. You want to get in ideally before donations open, which is going to be March 1st. And, um, but yes, so you still got time to, to get those in and, um, yeah, looking forward to, to reading through all the applications and, and happy to have Andrew by my side this season, helping me review these applications. Yeah. Happy to be here. All right. Final note here, um, about these NFTs, Pomelo NFTs. So the rares from last season, uh, Moon Vehicles, there's a trike, there's a glider, there's a rover. You need to collect all three to qualify for the Pomelo Astronaut. I'm missing a glider. I've got some spare rovers and trikes. If any of you out there have a glider to trade, please, we have one week to make a deal. Reach out to me and we'll do a trade for a glider. Just wanted to put that in there. All right, some more um, community news coming in through the chat. Uh, we had Veronica uh, inviting us to join the, the Boyd chat on Telegram and Discord and to try the new Boyd Frontier testnet. Um, Veronica, do you want to come online to talk a bit about this? Just putting you on the spot here. I'm not sure if uh, Veronica is set up to be able to join us with the mic, um, but uh, Veronica is uh, the new community manager for Boyd. So you'll be seeing her talking about Boyd some more in the community. Uh, so congratulations, Veronica, um, for, for this. And uh, we look forward to learning more about Boyd and all of the cool things that these guys are working on. There you go. Uh, we got Denis sharing some links to the Bounty Block contest. You can join for free, get a chance to win a Pomelo astronaut. I shared some pictures of the new crew members that you can get on, in season five of the NFTs. We've got Rhett actually um, sharing uh, his ebook, Deciding on a Blockchain, ebook by Zaisan. Free link for a download right there in the comments. Grab a copy if you haven't yet. And there we go. We got Veronica here sharing a link to the testnet.hub.boy.com. Get in there. Try out uh, try out the Boy platform. I know John from Boyd hinted that they're looking at IBC, uh, potentially being one of the first applications to release IBC functionality. So I'm still looking forward for updates on that. Veronica, if you can get John to join us. I don't know. Is John in the chat today? I don't think so no he's not here right now but uh yeah veronica get john to join uh, join the chat and update us on what's going on on that front i'm very curious and kind of a quick fireside reminder our road to 10k promo for members in this uh, discord server has been renamed i just renamed it this morning it's now the road past 10k promo because we blew past 10k members we're up to now 13,000 members uh, I see we got two new members in the last few minutes since the last time I checked. Uh, so that's great. We're going to be awarding prizes for anyone, uh, or I mean the top, I think it's top 25 or top 50. Anyways, uh, people who invite new members to the channel with a personal invite link will get rewarded every two months. So we'll be sending prizes out at the end of March, at the end of May, 
and uh, at the end of uh, July to round out the promo. So the road past 10K promo still going on. Generate your link. Invite friends. Let's get more people in here. Um, although we had a ton of people actually in this in the fireside today, we were over seventy people, which is great. Love to see, love to see you guys joining the the fireside. Don't forget to wrote the hundred k Reddit says Lewis. Yes, Lewis was impressed by the uh, sub subscriber count on Reddit earlier this week. He noticed uh, that you know EOS has a decent community on Reddit. We try to post uh, some of our updates here from EOS Nation and for the fireside chat and for the hot sauce on Reddit. Um, so yeah, visit the Reddit uh, subreddit if you haven't lately. Leave some upvotes and let's get our uh, let's get our subscriber count going uh, trending on Reddit as well. Why why not? All right, rounding out the topics for this week. EOS con- Oh, hold on. Hold on. EOS continues to rank number one in China, and the ENF's Hong Kong office confirmed. There we go. Forgot my voice changer for the topic headline. Uh, we got a few, few, uh, few fun little articles here. Of course, there's been this narrative around crypto Twitter that the next bull run is going to be dominated by the Chinese community. I'm all for it. Whoever wants to pump money into the crypto space, I will welcome with open arms, of course. But if that is true, if indeed the next bull run will be, you know, uh, pumped by the Chinese community for lack of a better word, uh, I think, you know, that bodes well for EOS. EOS always ranking number one in uh, various, uh, you know, in these various uh, rankings for cryptos that comes out from the Chinese community. Um, So that's all fun for EOS. I'm going to share a few more links here. Sharing more about, uh, you know, this narrative. We got Trimbot coming in here. We got Bywire sharing EOS bulls dominate how China can sustain price rise. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that article, uh, Bywire. We got some tweets from Trimbot. New Substack article dropping soon, and you won't want to miss this one. Diving into the China crypto narrative and why China loves EOS. Excellent. We love Trimbot. Love to see it. And what is this tweet, actually? Let's see. Let's share it. See what happens. Another tweet from Trimbot. Reminder, China released a ranking of public blockchains and ranks EOS first ahead of Ethereum. Given the news that China is about to reverse their stance on crypto, we should expect a big influx of Chinese money. Will that money pour into EOS, causing a massive pump? Hashtag not financial advice, just pure speculation. Love it. I'm I'm not against speculation. Any 2023 data on this? Uh, Red, are you asking about the a narrative that China is going to be pumping the crypto markets? I think that the main data is just this law that was passed, you know, by in Hong Kong saying that they would open up transactions to crypto for all mm, residents of Hong Kong. So I think that's a lot of where this narrative is coming from. The CCID ranking. Uh, yeah, good. Good question. Um, I'm not sure when the latest release was. That's a great question. 
if someone knows, please, uh, please let us know. Share the link or jump on chat. All right. Well, um, that kind of wraps up the topics I had uh, prepared for today. At this point, of course, if anyone else wants to jump in here, share some news, say hi to the community, troll someone, whatever it is, now's your time to do it. I know we've had people sharing some news in the chat throughout the show. Love to see that as well. Going to remind everyone to go support Hernan's new show on Twitter. I saw there's a couple more likes, a couple more subs since we mentioned it earlier in the show. Get in there. Like that. Like that content. Shout out to Veronica and Boyd. And uh, yeah, let's hear, let's hear from some more people. Shout out to Veronica, working really hard to get our cute Reddit back. Yes, Veronica has been doing great work moderating and promoting and curating the EOS uh, Reddit. So thank you very much for that, Veronica. Sorry guys, my loop was off. prefer to listen i guess that's a link to a podcast version of hernan's show great thanks for sharing Hernan. i definitely prefer to listen to my crypto content usually while i'm shoveling or skiing or cleaning get that stuff into my brain at 1.25 or 1.5x speed See some more uh, AI-generated images of uh, of rugged Maria. I was, ha- I was happy Brandon shared one, but I, I feel like we could see more. Well, is there a runner-up? I, I only upscaled the one. I could run the prompt again. Run it. it. Run it. All right. But try to make make try to make the AI understand that we want a rug Maria, not a rugged Maria, which is I think <laughs> what we got the first time. But we need Maria with some rug action going some way somehow. <laughs> there you go, Max. Max Cho coming in with the 27th CCID's Global Public Blockchain Technology Assessment Index. Rhett was asking if there was more recent data from this group. Seems like there is. Thank you, Max, coming in clutch with this this link. However, it is all in Chinese and I don't understand much of it. But looks like the date is 28th of December. So really not that not that long ago, just two months ago. Still ranking EOS number one with 142.2 points. 
143 points for Ethereum, IOSD coming in at 139, then Tron at 129, BTC all the way down, number 10, rank number 10 with 109 points. Tony coming in with some clutch. Maria with lots of rugs. Good job, Tony. Tony went old school. Found an actual image instead of generating a new one with an AI. How old school of you, Tony? And as a reminder, Tony, uh, Tony enjoys long walks on the beach with sands in his toes. <laughs> with a cool wind breeze in his hair. And he's looking for funding in the next season of Pomelo. <laughs> looking for more appropriate music for Tony's long walk on the beach. I think I found it. There you go. It sounds like there's a wave in this song and everything. Here we go, Rodrigo, showing us a rugged Maria on a wooden boat covered in the rugs in the style of a Claude Monet. Awesome, awesome. Tony, that's that's Superwoman or Wonder Woman. That's not a rugged Maria. Come on, Tony. It is a woman that has become rugged. All right. <laughs> well, well, well We'll make that qualify. There we go. I like how that voice was also extremely deep when you said that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm Without any filters. That. No. Yeah, it is the radio voice. Coming to you live. Now, that's... A rugged Maria right there. <laughs> I think Denis wins so far. Oh, man. Bottom left. Old, oh man, this this Maria's been grinding rugs her whole she's, life. She's seen some shit. She's for seen real. some rugs in her time for sure. <laughs> Definitely part of the EOS community. <laughs> <laughs> she's been through it all. Rugged Maria's been Yeah, she's she's only thirty six years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm going to save Maria. I'm going to save Maria with a question for Eves, if I if I could. I didn't quite catch the the nature of the relationship with the university in China. Was this a grant or like a uh, memo memo of, uh, memorandum of understanding with the Chinese university, or I didn't quite catch it. Uh, yeah. So the the Antelope Coalition. Uh, assigns RFPs and the University of Fudan or a group within the University of Fudan applied for peer-to-peer -peer networking code rewrite. So there are two teams that bid for that particular RFP. That RFP was uh, split up into two different pieces of work or two different scopes of work. Uh, one of them uh, has gone to OCI and the other one to that group within the University of Fudan. So that's at the Antelope Coalition level. Uh, and if you want 
further information about that and the RFP and everything, um, you can tune into the Antelope Coalition calls that are uh, recorded on Thursdays and I believe published shortly thereafter. The particular peer-to-peer networking code rewrite piece has been on the table. That original RFP, if I'm not mistaken, was originally published in either October or November. Nobody, uh, so there was one submission by OCI, but it was re- it wasn't approved. Uh, then we changed the scope of work. It went back out uh, again. If I'm not mistaken, maybe late November, early December. Um, and the ultimate result of assigning the work, but into two different teams, uh, was allocated two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, something like that. So it's at the Antelope Coalition level. So this Thank is a decision you. from the Treasury, from the four chains, right? So from uh, Telos, UX, Wax, and EOS. And maybe somebody wants to put the link to, oh yeah, somebody already did. Yeah. So the coalition RFP um, is, is linked as well in chat. I imagine with, with the number of block producers that are based in China and just general individuals that you, you come in contact with uh, as the head of ENF, uh, is there is there a feeling of what the state of the mindset of the CCP is towards crypto? In other words, when you, I suppose it's just it's just one it's just one RFP. So you know, if it was if if the CCP was to change its mind, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But I'm curious how, if you have any way of gauging that kind of thing and and uh, where you get that where you would get that kind of information as to how how long that that open window would last? Just kind of a curious question. I'm not sure I understand your question. Um, is that relevant if we change CCP for IMF for everybody that's English speaking with the same question you just posed? I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm not even sure that's a question. Sorry, Perry. Well, I'm just trying to figure out, I mean, if, we all we all know that the CP, CCP has kind of been an on again off again with regard to crypto in general. So it's kind of an opening and closing door. And at the moment, it looks like it's opening, and that, that's why people are are suggesting that the next bull run is going to come from China. So I'm just curious if if any of the block producers or anyone else in 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 your circle of influence is giving you any kind of indication of how how the wind is going to blow. From the point of view of the CCP, which obviously is in control of the whole country. I don't have any insight in terms of the CCP. In terms of China reopening, I guess if we want to be specific, that would be uh, Hong Kong. Um, The rumors, I guess, that have been going around as to whether or not Hong Kong is poised to be uh, opening up towards crypto. From the, the information that I have, that seems to be the case. That seems to be. Um, policy changes that are being made and or opening up. Uh, there's a few components that are uh, alongside of that as, as well. So you know, this idea of one uh, state, two separate um, systems, uh, we saw that that closed off over the last couple of years, especially with, with COVID. Hong Kong seemingly took the same or similar position, uh, came to COVID anyways, as, as mainland China. Uh, 
we know that historically within China, there's been special economic zones um, and Hong Kong, I guess, was kind of one of those, but I'm saying kind of because Hong Kong is not really part of China, but it is, but it's not. Um, and what we saw was that there was a lot of migration from mainland China to Singapore, uh, quite specifically in 2021 and 2022 from within the crypto space. Uh, Singapore last year overtook Hong Kong in terms of financial hubs. So historically, Hong Kong was number three. Um, uh, and uh, uh, Singapore was number four. Singapore rose a rank and went to number three. Hong Kong dropped a rank, went to number four. Uh, supply chain, etc. Like there's a lot of factors that will go into this. And it seems like Hong Kong is reopening or is trying to position itself as, um, again, in a way, special economic zone or as a, as a hub for foreign investment slash innovation slash slash slash, right? An international financial hub. So in terms of... I'm, Everything I've just said has nothing to do with the CCP. I have no insight into that. All I know is is it seems as though the rumors that Hong Kong is reopening up and that date of June 1st that's been touting, I've, I've heard on the ground that that seems to be realistic or that seems to be, seems to be weight behind that. I also saw, um, and I believe it's public, I'll try to find where, but um, I think it's on the Hong Kong website. Let me try to find that. Hold on a second. Um, let me try to find where I saw that. I'll try to post it when I find it, but it seems like Hong Kong government has also put out uh, information about their Web3 involvement and what they plan on. Yeah, there you go. On budget.gov.hk, how they plan on on assigning funds towards Web3 and stuff. So that is public. But again, that as far as I understand, that's nothing to do with the, the CCP. Okay. And if it much. does, again, I have no insight in that. So I, I really don't know what to comment on that front. All right, thank you. All right, back to AI images. Uh, please, Hernan, please never ever post AI children. Oh my God, that's scary. I don't like it at all. Uh, Tony coming in with a nice picture of Wrecked Maria Boat. I don't know if this is Photoshop or a real picture. Who knows? Who knows what's real, what's not these days? Really? Awesome. <laughs> More Pomelo themed <laughs> Ragged Maria's coming in from Daniel Keys. Those are great. Oh, power just flickered for Tony. All right, guys. F in the chats for Tony's power. It's about to go out. Hopefully it comes back soon enough. Good luck to everyone in the way of the storm. Pocket deuces. It's not a great hand, Tony. Liking the rug Maria's from uh, Lovejoy here. Seems like she's actively running away from the rugs or something. Seem like action-packed pictures. I like it. Of course people are going to go all in against you, Tony. You only have a pair of twos.
I need to activate my loops. Andrew borrowed my uh, soundboard last week and now all my settings are reset. Lame. give it another minute or two and then I think we're gonna wrap it up Veronica plugging the testnet.hub.boy.com one last time boy frontier we will try it out Lewis asking if the CCID chart, if it's official, it's officially from the CCID, yes. And EOS is ranked number one every, on every of those 27 uh, times that they published rankings, if I remember correctly. Yeah, CCID's official link, yeah, um, Max, Max posted it for us a bit higher here in the chat, let me go find it for you. There it is. Peace, Tony. May the force of electricity be with you. Uh, Pomelo update. Well, not really an update. Uh, what's the word? I don't know. I'm I'm my my I'm losing the word I'm looking for, but. Word to the wise. If uh, so, something we didn't do this season for Pamela is you're you were able to create a draft of your grant prior to applications being open. Uh, so if you had created a draft before this morning, make sure that you don't forget to actually submit that draft. Um, so if if you've saved it prior to today, it should be saved there, ready to go. But you need to still log in and hit that submit button to join season five. There you go. Friendly reminder from the CEO of Pomelo. <laughs> What's so funny, Lovejoy? <laughs> Oh, you'll see in a second. It's just a... Oh, nice. Yeah. Working that AI. Or AI. Yeah. (laughs) Having fun with the studio in the style of Studio Ghibli prompt. What is Studio Ghibli? Um, Spirited away. Um, A lot of the... A lot of the great... um, animated feature features from uh, Japan with uh, Miyazaki and um, trying to remember all the people that put it together but if you look up Studio Ghibli G-H-I-B-L-I and you want to watch some epic animated movies the names of which of many are escaping me now Howl's Floating Castle is kind of a newer one Spirited Away is probably, probably my favorite one of the best animation studios for anime in the world. Yeah. Denis, Denis calling the pair of twos with his pair of aces. 
Oh, shit. Although, I'm not sure what your three-card poker hand of ace... What is that? A, a, a D? Is that a D for dam? Like a queen in French? AI is printing cards in French? Ace, queen, nine? All right. Interesting choice. And we got a PLO hand in bottom right. Pocket aces and pocket threes. With what looks like... What are these suits? Double diamonds and tree on top of club? What the hell, AI? Steve came back with the link to the budget that he was talking about. <laughs> did he try to submit pair of threes? AI went bananas. Indeed, it did go bananas. Still kind of primitive, this, this, all this AI stuff. Shamath called it on a, on a podcast I listened to, called it uh, Parlor Tricks. He's not, a, he's not necessarily impressed with the state of public AIs right now. Kind of just, you know, they're just guessing the correct word, you know, salad that, that, that the user will recognize. But I'm sure, I'm sure this stuff is going to become much more powerful very quickly over the next one, five, ten years. Not, if you're not out there playing around with these AI tools, you definitely should be. Wait for V4. Chat, chat GPT 4, I think it's coming out sooner than two years from what I've heard. And it's going from like 175 million mm, categories to 1 billion or something crazy. It's live for beta. Yeah, Lewis getting all up in there, early access AI tools. 175 billion to 1 trillion which oh, is is crazy because that's bigger. like <laughs> yeah that's like 80 a 110 gpus it's an insane it's a, it's insane yeah that's crazy and imagine what the military has access to if if us plebs have access to ai going bananas for denis <laughs> nice Military is poor compared to Google and Microsoft, says Denis. Uh, all right. Well, I guess ChatGPT is truly our new overlord. topic at this point so we're gonna wrap it up here uh thanks for joining everyone i'll do a little countdown we can all i'll say go eos together on uh after the countdown so three two one go go eos go eos